Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey y'all, Ryan Sprague here. As you all know, the Somewhere in the Skies podcast is always free to consume, but it isn't free to create. That's why I've started the Somewhere in the Skies Patreon campaign. On a monthly basis, you give what you think the show is worth. You'll be helping the show continue, grow, and to be something truly communal. And remember, there are rewards for each level of contribution, and the list is only growing. So please, help Somewhere in the Skies now by becoming a patron. To contribute and to learn more, visit www.patreon.com backslash somewhere skies. Thank you for your support. And now, on with the show. This is Somewhere in the Skies with Ryan Sprague. Welcome to Somewhere in the Skies. I'm your host, Ryan Sprague. Sometimes, you just gotta unwind and treat yourself. And that's no exception when it comes to the podcast. I've been chatting back and forth with colleague MJ Benias about, uh, you'll never guess, UFOs. What? And as we were talking, we both realized we were huge whiskey fans. And if we're gonna talk UFOs and drink whiskey, it seemed like the perfect combination for some good content. So, we decided to hit the old record button and let it fly. This is a two-part series of Somewhere in the Skies, and it's a little different than you're used to. It's just MJ and I bouncing thoughts, theories, and opinions off on one another. It's conversation, it's discourse, and it's completely uncensored. You've been warned, and you've been invited to grab a seat with us, pour yourself a healthy dose of whiskey, bourbon, or water... I'm not judging. And join us in this free-for-all discussion on UFOs and a human approach to an alien phenomenon. Here is part one. And in the words of the American poet Richard Hovey, may the beam of your glass never destroy the ray of your mind. Cheers. MJ, how you doing tonight, my man? I'm doing great. Living the dream, man. Living the dream. <laughs> Living the dream as always. Now, first of all, this was your idea, so I have to credit you with this. We are sitting back, we are having a whiskey, and we're just gonna we're just gonna chat, man. Whatever comes yeah, to mind. There's nothing better than like a good glass of whiskey in conversation. Yes. Exactly. What are you yeah. drinking? What do you got over there tonight? Uh, I have a little little nip of. Uh, it's called the Ardmore. It's a it's a Scotch. Uh, I think Highland Scotch, nice little blend, nothing too fancy, mm-hmm. but um, you know it, it's got a bit of heat. I'll say that it's 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 about forty four percent, so uh, the the back end is a little burny. So uh, it's 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 enjoyable, mellow up front, 
um, nice and punchy in the back. So if the Ardmore Scotch whiskey. Ooh, yummy. I'm drinking a Scotch as well. I got a uh, Wolfburn. So mm-hmm. this is from Northland, I believe, Scotland. So it's only a year old. They The distillery opened about a year and a half ago. The, the original one burnt down, as they Ooh. do. And uh, yeah, they just started up a new single malt. And uh, I'd have to compare it the same. It's, uh, you know... Very, very good finish. Sweeter than I thought. It's got a lot of honey notes to it. So it was a lot more of a dessert whiskey than I anticipated. But uh, uh, good nonetheless. Sounds terrific. Like I said, a good whiskey and some UFOs. So, man, I mean, we're just going to kind of go off the cuff here. But there are a few things I wanted to bring up. You being in Canada, this story's been making the rounds lately about a new Canadian coin that features a UFO case. What have you found out about this? And have you gotten your hands on this yet? Okay, yeah. So I read this in the newspaper and it was uh, like, because the mint in Canada is is in my, it's in like my, my city. So it's pretty local. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a, it's a $20 silver coin and it's shaped sort of not, it's not really circular. It's sort of like a teardrop shaper and sort of an oval with a, and it kind of rounds off at the bottom into like a teardrop. And it, and it's, it's it's to commemorate the Falcon Lake uh, UFO encounter, which happened uh, in Falcon Lake, Manitoba, in uh, 1967, um, and it's sort of one of the best known uh, or best sort of investigated, I suppose, UFO encounters, close encounters um, in Canadian history. Um, so the coin, I think, is about 120 dollars Canadian to buy. So. I'm kind of viewing that as a slight ripoff. I mean, the silver <laughs> it is worth about twenty dollars, but it's going to cost me one hundred and twenty to buy it. Um, that being said, when something like that comes out, it's tough for me not to get the credit card out and just start throwing money at people. I know. So yeah, the the back of the coin features the typical Canadian sort of the Canadian you know head, which is the queen, and then on the front end is um, a, a sort of a picture of uh, a man who is supposed to be Stephen Mech- uh, <laughs> Stephen. Mc- McCulloch. There we go. We got it. Sorry, and uh, he sort of crouched down. His he's sort of looking up into the sky as this sort of disc-like object is sort of descending over him in the lake, um, in the background. So it's a it's and it's colored and it's it's quite sort of. I mean, it's kind of silly looking, but like I said, it's a UFO coin, and I have to be. I have to say, as a Canadian, I'm pretty proud that my country decided to release a limited edition UFO coin. It's absolutely, it's so trippy, man, looking at this thing. But I, again, I love it. I'm, I really want to fork out the money here because how often do you get this? Could you imagine if the U.S. ever did something like this? I, I can't even imagine if we got like a Roswell one or this, that, this, that. And why not, right? Why not? There should be coins with UFOs on them. I mean, I think they're interesting historically. I wonder why they did it, though. Like I, That's I the question, at, yeah. Of all the coins you could have made, you know, like and minted and and like what you could have celebrated, like <laughs> a, a, a little UFO encounter right in the middle of like the, the the wilderness in in Manitoba in Canada is like I gotta be honest like you you have someone on the inside though like you've got one guy who sits on that board it's like you know what we should do a UFO coin and everyone was just really high that day yeah, and like, yeah you know what sounds great let's just do a UFO coin. Yeah, <laughs> who's got munchies, you know? And and then it was just somehow voted in, and all of a sudden we now have one. It's ridiculous. I, I, I'm I still, like, trying to wrap my head around this. And, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting case. I don't know much about it, but uh, I know that image of what, – uh, what's our guy's name again? Stefan? Stephen. 
yeah. Stefan, as I put it. Very, Stephen. very Stephen. Uh, elegant. Yeah. He, uh, like that famous photo of him with like the radiation marks on his chest and whatnot. Like that yeah. photo has been making the rounds for decades. Um, and yeah, I well, never knew it was from this case, actually. Yeah, it's it's actually a really well-investigated case. I mean, it, it's part of the Blue Book investigation. So when, when Blue Book was running, they, they did come to investigate this case. But they sort of, well, you, you know, I mean, you know, the listeners of your show know Blue Book wasn't exactly the most legitimate sort of UFO investigation sort of ever done. A lot of it was based upon debunking sort of the phenomenon, not really investigating it properly. So they made claims that, you know, he was burned by by his barbecue and, and you know, he was drunk and he fell onto his barbecue and that's what burned him. And, uh, you know, all these other ridiculous claims that sort of this is what happened, right? Meanwhile, you know, the Mayo Clinic uh, which is where they went to sort of have him checked out sort of officially was like zero chance. This is a barbecue. I mean, the burns keep showing up, you know, every few months or every few years. For some reason, you know, when the burns do show up, he this man emits this sort of sulfur like smell. Yeah. Um, and it sort of followed him for the rest of his life. Right. And these burns would sort of recur every once in a while. And not only that, like I've never seen a barbecue with like round grills. Right. right. You know, like a barbecue has like a, you know the typical kind of linear grill marks uh, and he sort of has these round burns and stuff. So this was one of those cases I think that Blue Book kind of went out of their way to sort of try and debunk um, rather than sort of properly investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't help that he was sort of, you know, a Polish immigrant, didn't speak English very well. You know, I think that there was maybe a little, I'm not going to claim that there was racism, but I think there may have been a little bit of, you know, discrimination a little bit. Mm-hmm. You know, he wasn't exactly you know, a, uh, a military man and he wasn't exactly, um, you know, a CEO of a company, right? He was a blue collar Polish guy, uh, with a very, very huge interest in like geology. So, you know, I can see them just trying to write this one off. Yeah. Um, no, that, I mean, he made a lot of strange claims. I mean, you know, the, the thing landed, he walked up to it, he leaned inside, he heard a couple voices, you know, like there was a lot of, um, strange claims, but, the one thing that you can't sort of dismiss is the fact that he did get burned, right? He did see doctors. It's all documented. It's documented in police records. It's documented in hospital records. It's documented in Blue Book. I mean, there's so much evidence to support this case that something weird happened. You can't just, you know, write it off as being a drunk guy who fell on his barbecue. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, I've seen, you know, recent interviews with his son and, you know, he he tears up every time he starts talking about this because his father, you know, passed away. And to this day, the son genuinely believes that this happened to his father. That means nothing, you know, to to the public at large. It's only the son's belief in his father, which we all want to believe anything our fathers tell us. But uh, yeah, man, I mean, there's something to that. You know, when when you hear a story like that and uh, your your kids back you up and th- that really convinced me. I mean, I know that's not going on much. And as a researcher and investigator, I should go on more to <laughs> to look at a case. But um, again, it's that human aspect that always gets to me, which we will talk about in a little bit. But uh, yeah, fascinating. Nonetheless, if they're going to do a case and make a coin out of it, I think this was the one to do it for for sure. Yeah, I got actually. It's interesting. I got to meet his son last year. Um, really, at sort of a talk that uh, was given by him and, and Chris Rutkowski, who helped him out with sort of re-releasing the original book right. about this case. Right, and it was fascinating because we they had like a talk, um, sort of a Q and A and everything. And like, it, it's crazy to to listen to this this sort of. He's I mean he's in his fifties now, but his son talk about you know 
how his parents' marriage was affected as a result of this incident, right? Mm-hmm. How his dad became very, very sort of depressed and, and became very disconnected from his family because of this odd event and, and not that. He became quite ill. Like he, he, like his hair fell out. He was nauseous all the time. He was barely, he, he, it's not like his, his dad, he said his dad lost something like 50 pounds Oof. as a result of this incident because he just got sick and he was, and he was hyper ill for a long time. And I, like, I, like I said, like you know, these burn marks would come back every once in a while and like they're this stench would fill the house like he said like of rotten eggs and and it's just like the the whole family was affected right it wasn't just this one man it was the family the community right you know he was the crazy guy who saw a ufo like i mean you can imagine you know i'm sure as a as a as a good sort of polish immigrant to canada you know how do you go to church on sundays and not have people talk about you behind your back and like you know i can't imagine yeah and you know this this reminds me so much of the cash landrum case as well you know you know so much physical trace evidence in terms of possible radiation and whatnot and you know things hair falling out this and that and it really really makes me think both cash landrum and this case that we were dealing with something military uh top secret but who am i to say but that's kind of what it sounds like to me and if the guy's gonna go around saying it was uh, the space aliens of course they're not gonna argue that they're gonna be like great let him keep saying that but i feel so bad for him Oh, and you know what? It's funny because he actually, it's it, in the book, he didn't think it was aliens at all. Like he, he was totally convinced it was like an American advanced like propulsion. Like he, like oh, in the in the book, as he walks up to the ship or whatever, like this thing that's landed on this rock. He and he leans inside and he yells, "Do you Yanks need some help?" <laughs> that's what he yells, right? Because he was convinced it was just some American piece of you know hardware yeah. that was coming out of the Cold War, and you know it just you know they had to land it somewhere, I guess, and and this was a perfect place, you know, clearing in the woods. So yeah, no, in fact, he he went to his grave and never at all claiming it was aliens. Um, he 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 died believing it was. Um, some advanced piece of human technology. Um, I think other people started to sort of think it was potentially alien or something. And that sort of just became part of the mythology, right? Yeah, as it often does. Anytime you hear a UFO, it always it's always goes back to E.T., which is mm-hmm. one of the biggest problems we have these days and that we've had for a long, long time. But, I mean, there are people out there looking at it differently, and that's all we can really ask for. But, uh, yeah, interesting. There was one thing I wanted to bring up to you. I brought it up to you tonight, man. This is a find I just made yesterday, and I don't even know if... I, I, I'm sure some of the people in the quote-unquote UFO community know about this, but it was news to me, and I am loving it. This is a podcast I found. It's called Oh No, Ross and Carrie. So it's this this woman and this man in Los Angeles, and they go to UFO conferences all around the country, and they review every talk and every speaker that they see. So they went to the Ozark UFO conference last year. They broke it up into, I think, like six episodes. They're like 50 minutes each. And they go so in-depth, like talking about each speaker, what they look like, their mannerisms, um, how they acted before their talk, how they responded to questions after. And then they do a deep dive into each of them. And oh, my God, dude, like it is the most entertaining and eye-opening thing (sighs) I've heard in a long time from people from the outside, which I think is really interesting. You know, I, I, I don't know about you, but I feel so embedded 
in this stuff that I almost feel a loyalty to some of these these people, these, you know, the quote unquote, like the big guns in the field to respect everything they say. And right. when, when you start to hear someone from the outside making extremely logical observations about some of the things these people are saying, it's fucking crazy. Like, yeah, some of the stuff they say is absolutely nuts. So, oh, yeah. Oh, I'm so happy I found it. It's a little uncomfortable when I hear them talk about, you know, friends of mine who I talk to oh. on a daily basis. But at the same time, it's it's amazing. It's refreshing. And I, I wanted to let you know about that. And for any of the listeners out there, go check this out. Oh, no, Ross and Carrie podcast. I mean, uh, Stephen Greer. Holy shit. That well, was amazing. I have to be honest. Like, really? Yeah, you, how do you not rip him apart? But yeah. okay, yeah. I'm subscribing. I literally just subscribed on podcast, so I'm gonna enjoy this. It's great, man. Contact in the desert. They went to you know. Yeah. They talk about you know everything from you know Giorgio Suclos to uh, Eric Von Donegan, and it's it's great. Like they <laughs> they're respectful, but at the same time they keep it real. So for anyone out there who wants to hear the other side. Of UFO conjecture, I guess. This is definitely one for you. So, yeah. You know, you bring up an interesting point, this idea of, we're going to get into our first conversation, this idea of sort of trying to remain loyal to sort of like people in the field, right? Or, yeah. or like you say, the big guns, right? Like the experts or whatever. And it's interesting because we need to kind of think about, you know, why we do this, right? Like, why do we defer common sense or why do we defer critical thought to just being like, okay, I, I, I believe you. Right. Yeah. Um, and it, it's, I think that there, I think this maybe there's two things. I think first the UFO community or the UFO subculture is so sort of fringy that ultimately anyone who sort of puts the message out there mm-hmm. kind of puts the message out for everyone. Right. Like, like you, it's sort of, it's like some sort of odd rights movement, right? Like the UFO yeah. rights movement, right? Like any progress is progress, regardless of what that progress is. So when Stephen Greer gets, you know, his two documentaries on Netflix into like a mainstream, like Netflix is a mainstream provider. Yeah. With carrying a bunch of UFO documentaries. I mean, I, I think, you know, when he gets his two in there, we're kind of like, you know, okay, well, that's good because the message is going to get out there. I mean, it's Greer's message, which is nonsensical half the time and pretty dubious, but it's still getting out there so that people will then maybe watch it and then they'll do more research yeah. and then eventually like, hopefully learn how crazy it is. But, you know, keep going down that road. You know, is that one thing is that why we kind of try to stay loyal a little bit? It's a struggle. Yeah. I mean, I remember back when Unacknowledged first came out and I went on a tirade. I'm like, I will never talk about that documentary on my show i will never have steven greer on fuck that guy you know i'm like a curmudgeon at this point with it but then my girlfriend really you know calmed me down and she's like look at least the ufo topic is being discussed in a public like a mainstream uh outlet such as netflix and whatnot again like you said it's the message that gets out there and you and i have talked in the past about you know and you know robbie graham would i i think agree with this too if having someone like Tom DeLonge as the face of ufology. Like, is that good that now we have someone that is getting it out there to the mainstream, but it's his agenda. It's his message. It's whatever, you know, books he read by career included, um, that is going to get out there. And it, it is, it's a weird, 
game of loyalties and uh, alliances, and I, I don't think it does the field any any good with that stuff. Right. But at the same time, you know, what do you do? What do you do when like someone you've looked up to for so long finds out that they've been lied to for right. you know twenty five odd years about one of the most famous UFO cases? Um, right. It's hard, man, and I, I find myself between a rock and a hard place constantly with that. I don't know about you. Well, I think you also have, you know, we also have to contend with the fact that the UFO community, how, how to put this um, gently, there are a few individuals, let's say, in the UFO community, a few in the UFO community who, you know, we could probably say are, are very extreme to the point where if you question their ideology or or if you question their hypotheses or theories um not only do they come swinging at you their cronies come swinging at you right yes um, and and you know i don't want to pick on stephen greer much more because i fear the wrath of his cronies but he has a lot of he has a lot of people who buy into his message another character like this is like Corey good or david wilcock they have a significant following and being critical of them they're able to muster a sort of a significant force of, of people to sort of go after you, right? Whether it's emails or hate mail or whether you, you know, you, you go on their YouTube channel, like, you know, like, like they'll, you know, start belittling, belittling you on their YouTube channel. They'll say you're part of the, the cabal or whatever. And all of a sudden, you know, there's 20,000 people out there who no longer like you, right? And are willing to, some of them, are willing to, you know, make your life a living hell. They'll try and hack your Facebook account. They'll try and hack other social media stuff. They'll try and break into your emails. They'll, they'll post pictures of you, like public, you know, publicity photos that you've done or whatever or anything. You know, they'll just post pictures of them that are all warped and morphed and they'll release fake blog posts about, you know, like they'll just kind of really rake you over the coals a little bit. Yeah, it's um, like leaving Scientology. <laughs> yeah, as like a punishment. Like how dare you question our, you know, cult leader. So that's another thing. I mean, I think people in the UFO, UFO community also are aware of this, right? You have to be very cautious and, and you have to be willing to take a hit if you're going to kind of go that route. Like if you're going to, you know, walk out and say <clears throat> publicly that, you know, like Corey Good is a fraud, you need to be prepared that Corey Good's guys are going to come after you and, 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 you know, try and tear you a new asshole. You know, now I'm fortunate. I don't have a podcast, so I can say, you know, kind of whatever <laughs> I want and it doesn't matter um, because the people, Corey Good's followers don't read me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But if you, I can imagine, like, if you have, and I'm not saying, I'm not using this example, but I mean, if you have a broader podcast, like, let's say, Fade to Black or Coast to Coast, right? Um, you can't really alienate anyone because ultimately you need them at some point to listen to your show, right? Like, you can't, you can't come out and say Corey Good is a fraud because you know that you might lose 50,000 followers as a result or 50,000 yeah. listeners as a result. And that means revenue. That means money. That means publicity. That means a whole lot. So there's, I think that factor as well. I think, I think it's sort of like a, this double-edged sword, right? We, we want to support the UFO community. We want, we want our own to make it, but there's a lot of people within the UFO community who, whose messages are not only fraudulent, but they are purposely lying for the sake of gaining notoriety or money or, or whatever glory to run the conference circuit. So it's, yeah, it's, it's sort of dubious and nefarious. I think so. And I think, you know, Greg Bishop brings this up a lot too. And I'd have to agree with him on this, the, the UFO researcher, do your own work and just worry about that. 
I, I, I'm finding more and more the more I want to attack the Corey Goods or the Stephen Greers or Jimmy Church. Why are you having these guys on this? That like I, I understand at a point like, yeah, like this is your job. Like you, you, your family is not going to eat if you don't get those those list that listenership you're looking for for, for sure. your radio show. I get it. I get that. And I think everyone should have a chance to voice you know, their theories, their thoughts, and he gives them that outlet. Is that something I want to do? No, I, I don't. Um, so the more I've tried to temper my my anger with people in the UFO field, the more I realize, you know, in the greater scheme of things, it doesn't really matter. You know, they're going to have their faction that believe him and follow him until his dying day. And then there's the other end where you've got people who are just doing their work on underground and being like, look, I found this, you know, what do you think of this? And they're doing their thing. So while it's a very fractured field, and I use that word field very, with a lot of flexibility, um, it's interesting, man. And I, I don't know where I lay in the grand scheme of. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. You know, loyalty and whatnot, but... uh that whole the whole term UFO community just rubs me the wrong way, and I, I don't know where I stand on it to be honest. Yeah, it's it's pretty nebulous. I've been doing a lot of research into this, and it, it's very nebulous. Like there is, you know, how do you define someone who's a member of the UFO community? Right? There is really no. There's no governing body, right? Like there's no organization that sort of says, you know, this is what makes someone a member or not. You know, there's no. There's no ivory tower. Like, there's no real system in place, right? It's kind of this, it's this subculture where where there's no borders, right? It just kind of is. But it's weird because that being said, while there is no sort of border that encapsulates sort of the UFO community, um, you and I can still sit down and talk about it and use language we both understand and we use the buzzwords and, you know, like we, yeah. we can still communicate about it because we're both members, right? <laughs> um, we sort of engage with the discourse. So it's really funny to think about, like, how does one become a member and how is one not a member and, and, and where do we draw lines? 
right? Yeah. And, and I, can we can we even draw lines? And that's sort of the bigger question. Is it even possible? Absolutely. I mean, my mentor Peter Roberts always said, if you want to be a ufologist, spin around three times and touch your nose. And that's I, right. You know, I, I I follow that to this day, and it's interesting because you know, as you know, younger researchers, we get tapped for like TV shows all the time because they want those young faces to tell them what these things are in our skies, and they're like, well, you're you're like one of the the ufo experts right and no i'm no expert i i i find it fascinating i look into it i've got a podcast but that's as far as as i go in terms of saying that i'm a ufo researcher i read books i interview people and i have a show that i talk about it with with people like you there is no ivory tower there's no lieutenants there's no generals there's no king um it's interesting it's a self-perpetuating field and anyone can join and anyone can get kicked out but the minute they get kicked out they can be invited right back in as we've seen many times before yeah but who does the kicking out like who has the authority right because ultimately you know i would probably i could probably if i really had to i could probably muster a lot of people in the ufo community who would argue that i sorry Corey. But, you know, I, I have a lot of people in the UFO community who could basically, who basically come out and say, yeah, Corey Good's a fraud. And I could muster probably a pretty sizable force of individuals in the UFO community who would say that. But at the end of the day, so can he. And he can come out and say, you know, I'm not a fraud. And, and you know, here's my story. And I have a website. And it's great. And we'd just be butting heads, you know, like there would be no, there's, there's no one to do the excommunicating, right? There's no Pope. So I don't know. That's one thing I like about the UFO community though, you know, like there, because there is no order, it's just this total anarchy, yeah. right? It's just this, this, this complete system of chaos. But there's something to be said for that. I think, I think maybe the phenomenon likes that. I think maybe, you know, whatever is responsible for UFOs, I think it kind of digs the fact that the, the people that are tasked with investigating the phenomenon are in a chaotic state at all times, right? Oh. Like there's no law and order here. Yeah. Um, we're not academia. We're not the scientific community. We're not colleges or universities, right? We are just this group of anarchists who run around and just stir up shit all the time. I think the UFOs love that. Like I think that whatever is responsible, like I said, it's like excellent, right? That's how it should be. Ah, they're eating that shit up. I mean, our our good friend Red Pill Junkie. And I know I'm I'm throwing a lot of names out there, and I don't want anyone to think this is like a name-dropping episode, but this is the work <laughs> being done by people today. You know, we, we look at UFOs for framing the debate, and Red Pill Junkie, ta- his essay is called Anarchy in the UFO. Right. Whatever's in charge of this phenomenon, and I'm not saying it's one thing, one source, anything like that, I think they love this, that like we're arguing, we're bickering. Uh, you know, we got to the stars going on. We've got SETI. We've got, um, right. you know, we got Bob Bigelow. We got Elon Musk doing shit. It's like it's all over the place. And everyone's just trying to make new discoveries and explore. And that's exciting, but it's messy as shit. And I don't think we're ever going to have like one single answer to any of this. Uh, that would be extremely depressing, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, whatever that answer is, right, would really, I think, would have to be, it would have to be a fundamental shift in, in sort of everything human, right? Like, we, our culture would, it would be, it would be a totally unknown, like, I can't even fathom. It would be, we would be living in this curious society and curious culture that accepts the reality that, you know, weird shit happens all the time, right? Or, you know, there's these other realms that exist or, or aliens are real or whatever. Like, we, it would be a totally different world, I think. It, we, it wouldn't be, it, the second it sort of became common knowledge, if consensus reality allowed ufos to be real it would be pretty wild i think 
anarchy. It would be anarchy it, again. <laughs> yeah, it would be a strange form of society, that's for sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, I did bring up Tom DeLong, Dude, we haven't talked since, um, you know, the 2017 wrap-up episode when that right. all kind of broke. You know, the first videos came out, the Pentagon story came out. I want to know what you think. We won't spend too much time on this because I don't know if it necessarily deserves it, but... Where do you stand right now with all this? I'm looking at Tom DeLonge's investment things. That's That thing has not climbed in the past, like, few months. And the vi- we've got three videos now. People are really right. very divisive on all of it. Um, where, where do you stand right now with this whole thing to the Stars Academy and whatnot? Yeah, I, I really, I think in my mind, I think in my mind, I really try to separate now, especially now. In 2017, when we had that wrap-up, you know, I was in a different place. It was all new and I wasn't sure of how it was all working and I wasn't sure of the structure and, and it was all kind of, I, I didn't have any sort of additional background information. Yeah. Now, you know, a year later, has it been a year? I mean, I mean, months later. Months, yeah. You know, I want to separate Tom DeLong from To The Stars. I, I don't necessarily have an issue with To The Stars Academy as a concept. I don't necessarily, I, 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 the funding is problematic but i don't necessarily have an issue with the idea of a bunch of individuals who are really into ufos and and manage to put something together um in an attempt to maybe because they have some higher access than than the rest of us to try and bring some more ufological information out okay i don't necessarily have a problem with that assuming they're all telling the truth and they're all honest and and whatever which you know we can have a debate about that and, and then there's tom DeLong. you know what i mean like just because he's the current ceo i think and and just because he's kind of the face of the project doesn't necessarily mean that he's much more than the face of the project. And and he's probably responsible, probably responsible for sort of the media stuff, right? He's probably responsible for, you know, the marketing aspect, um, the entertainment aspect. But I don't really see him being responsible for much else. Um, I don't see him being the guy who manages to get, you know, videos released or whatever. That comes from the other individuals in his organization because they clearly have clearance to, to do this stuff. Um, or, or at least, cl- sorry, they have clearance to, to have conversations with people who have clearance and the ability to potentially, you know, declassify certain things um, and make that happen. Right. It's, it, they have social capital, right. They have, yeah. or they have clearance, social capital, right. They know people within that community who can grease those wheels a little bit. Versus, you know, just you and me sending an FOIA request. So I think that's interesting. I think that there's there's something very compelling there. You know, do I still think there's sort of agendas on top of agendas? Potentially, I don't know. Um, I, I can't speak to sort of um, necessarily, you know, what the intelligence community is up to uh, and what their intentions are, or their agendas are. And it's impossible really to speculate fundamentally, right? Because ultimately, whatever you think is going on isn't because they're 18 steps ahead of you um and it and it doesn't matter how conspiratorial you are or or what you think um you're wrong right because they're not stupid and 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 they've already guessed what you what you're thinking and and they're moving beyond to the point where they're not doing anything i don't know like (laughs) circular but yeah i I, so i almost like i say i want to separate tom that's a long i've Geez, I've just been tensioning. It's the whiskey. I really want to separate Tom DeLong from from TTSA a little bit. Um, I think he's still an aspect, but I don't really think he's like I don't think he's a key player. I think he's he's a source of money. He's a source of of maybe a bit of marketing prowess. I think he's a source of uh, knowledge on how to sort of sell stuff and how to promote stuff, which is 
like hugely important in the UFO field. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not saying he's not unimportant. I just don't. I think he's sort of that angle. I think he's kind of the glitz and the glitter. Um, he's he's the sizzle, uh, not so much the steak in TTSA. Right. I, I think that's a really good point, man. I mean, I think, and I think he knows that. I think he's okay with that role at this point. And oh, I think for sure. maybe it was planned all along that he said, "Look, I'll be like the one to take the hits and this and that, and be like the poster boy." And in return, he's getting that insider information he's always wanted. And well, yeah, I mean, he's, if he's willing to take the financial hits, that's fine. Like he's getting. You know, and we've seen this before where people within the field or whatnot, you know, will sacrifice certain things or do certain things to get information for themselves. And right. in one way, I can't really blame him for that. But one thing that's really interesting, and I wasn't going to bring this up uh, on the show because I was kind of I was really bummed when this happened. But so a week ago here in L.A., DeLong was doing a book signing with A.J. Hartley. And I was right. like, holy shit, like this is my chance. Like I live – 20 minutes from where he's doing this i'm gonna reach out and be like drop some names that i know because i'm i'm not shameless uh or i am shameless i don't know and uh and say look i i would love to just talk to him for a few minutes about where he stands on the academy everything that's happening what the reception's been like so his first publicist got back to me and said tom would be delighted he's like let us know when you're here and we'll set it up so i'm like I'm so fucking excited, man. I'm like, who else has talked to DeLong since, like, the the horrible thing he did with Rogan and whatnot? Right. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to, like, I'm going to be the one to, like, break the story and get him on and get his personal reactions. Not 20 minutes later, I get an email from another public- publicist saying, we're so sorry. Uh, we take back what we said. Mr. DeLong will not be making any more public interviews about To the Stars Academy. And I found that very interesting, that within 20 minutes, they completely flipped it around. And at this point, he's very, he hasn't been very vocal, you know, maybe some tweets here and there about the Academy, but he's not posting hoaxed photos. It's interesting. I, I really think that this is the role he was set up to have with this is... Let me let me like drop the bomb at first, get it out there, do these book signings and then take over the entertainment side of it. Let the ones with the insider knowledge and the like you said, the social capital do it, you know, get that information out there. I think you're right. Or, you know, I mean, the Joe Rogan interview was incredibly embarrassing. Yeah. Uh, So I can also see potentially the individuals in TTSA, the stake and not the sizzle. I can see the stake kind of looking at the sizzle and and kind of being like, listen, man, we got to kind of put you on a leash here a little bit, yes, right? Yeah. Otherwise, we're going to cut you out of this, right? Otherwise, otherwise, you know, you, you otherwise, we're just not going to tell you things anymore. I, I'm not saying that they did that. I, I have no evidence to support this. I'm just suggesting that you know, after that interview, if I was if I was, let's say, an individual within the UFO community who who had sort of clearance and and you know i'm relatively well known and and i'm also an academic you know i'm not just some guy off the street you know like i worked for the cia or or i have cia clearance and blah blah blah. after that interview you know we're trying to do something great here with ttsa you know we're trying to promote and we're trying to get this information out there Uh, and then you go on joe rogan and and that happens i can see sort of as one of those individuals being like you know what man i'm thinking about walking away right now because whatever that was shouldn't have happened you know like you're you're supposed to be my marketing guru 
and you somehow drop the ball on that. So I can see that also being the case. I can see just because that's how I would do it, right? Like, you know, I work in a school. I used to be a school administrator. If one of my teachers did something stupid like that, I could be like, listen, things aren't working out, you know? So I can, I can kind of fathom that reaction as well. I mean, these are still people. These are still individuals. These are still people who are trying to not sell something, but these are individuals who are trying to promote an idea. And if you have someone standing in the way, not by their own fault, you know, he was probably just nervous. He was probably unsure what to do through no fault of his own, maybe. He's still really screwed up. <laughs> like that interview was bad, man. <laughs> it was know. horrible, dude. I got through like yeah. the first 20 minutes, maybe. And I'm like, what? Either DeLong is like on coke right now or some, something's going on. I maybe. Yeah, I, I do too. I mean, again, like this is his first major interview since he announced the Academy and who knows, who knows? My, my, I guess my question would be like, let's say they do have him on a leash, you know, who in their right mind at the top of whatever is going on here, you know, the trickle down effect of all the people he got involved with it, who said this is the guy that we're going to pick to do our marketing and to get the information out there. Is it merely because he was interested in UFOs before this? Or wh- right. why didn't they get fucking George Clooney or some, right, you know, yeah, some, so, any right. face or figure that yeah, wasn't I mean, talking about jacking off in every song he's ever written? You know what I mean? I would say that, that the vast majority of the individuals in TTSA sort of know each other well. Yeah. I would say that they're all probably regular in, regularly sort of, you know, engaged with each other sort of within UFO discourse, right? I mean, you know, these these the names behind TTSA, the these individuals clearly are are interested in the phenomenon. And then clearly their interests sort of lay outside of really any financial gain. Their interests lay outside of of any sort of gain for glory or anything like that they're just they're really interested in ufos and and the phenomenon itself and trying to figure it out i think that you probably had a situation where delong started after you know as he says he read a lot of books after he read all those books he probably started to reach out and not only that you know tom delong has probably significant access to individuals who can contact other individuals right like you know if you, you're a publicist or whatever your job is to be able to make meetings happen um so i can imagine tom delong calling up i don't know the the you know hal put off secretary yeah and being like hey you know tom delong of blink 182 wants to talk to you and hal put off's like who and then they're like i don't know it's a band and you know he, like <laughs> google searched it and he's like oh you know yeah okay you know all the small things got it look yeah, at, yeah. no yeah he's like wow you know, their YouTube video has like eight, 80 million hits. Okay, well, I, I, you know, I'll take a meeting. Right. Um, so I, and, and I mean, and I'm sure Tom, you know, like I said, like I said before, I think in, in an article I wrote, you know, I, and I appreciate Tom DeLong is no sort of hayseed in, in sort of ufological knowledge, right? Like he like he has read a lot. Like oh, yes. He, you know, whether whether, you know, what he takes in from his reading, I don't know whether he applies what he's read and whether he, whether he synthesizes what he read. Uh, sort of in an intelligible way. I don't know. I don't know the man, but he knows a lot of things about UFOs. So I can see kind of them and, and, you know, just how people talk and, you know, email chains happen and just being like, Hey, you know, this guy and he wants to do this and he has this idea. Maybe we should work with him. And, you know, it probably just kind of happened organically. 
because I, I can sort of see, like, again, that's how generally how things work. I don't think there was, like, some guy at the top being like, we should choose Tom DeLong. Right, right. Yeah, and I, I know some people think that, that this is, like, the new version of the aviary, where this was all planned, and they found I, a fall guy. I don't necessarily buy into that either. You know, the more the more you discuss it, the more I'm like, yeah, like, Tom had this idea. They saw his numbers, you know, how much his yeah. net worth is, and they're like, holy shit, we could make some money off of this and get some really cool stuff going on like let's do this yeah and i would even i would even sort of say like listen i would hesitate in saying like we can get some money off this because i gotta be honest they, they probably could care less like they're like you really look at the credentials of those individuals like they all run like they're all academics right like they all have university careers like they're not millionaires right at least most of them but you know like they're not hurting for money like they're doing what they're doing because they're interested i think i think what delong offers apart from sort of the media connection and and knowing people within media right like i mean ultimately if tom delong makes a ufo documentary it's going on netflix oh, right yeah. like that's a phone call that's not we have to kind of you know he doesn't have to go like the corbell route which is like you have to send it to them and they have to approve it and you know it has to go through their committee and you know <laughs> blah, blah, blah. it takes months and months right doing that you know, corbell tom, hustle Right. Exactly. Whereas, you know, Tom DeLong makes a phone call. It's on Netflix the next day. Exactly. Um, so I don't think it's a money thing. I think it's it's just they have a fundamental interest. So I wouldn't say sort of because, again, really, like how much money have they really raised? I think what DeLong can offer is his connections within media. Yeah, I think that's the big thing. Not only that, he can he can fund a lot of this, too. Right. I mean, he can fund all of this on his own. And, and that's useful as well. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of money things going on behind the scenes with this that I, I don't think I've really, really looked into. But th- the money is there. DeLong's got a cushion for oh. all of this. And oh, sure. There's a contingency plan for sure. You know, th- we might see this thing completely fizzle and everyone falls out and it's yeah. just old news. Um, or yeah. they might do some really cool shit. And in that time, you know, right. I'm going to watch the documentary. I'm going to buy the books and I'm going to take the ride because at this point, like, you know, what the hell do we have to lose? We're getting some pretty interesting videos, not as exciting as we hoped, but interesting nonetheless. And we're talking about it, which is cool, in my opinion. So, you know, I'm gonna keep, I'm gonna keep watching, listening, reading, whatever it is. Yeah, and I, I, I think there's no harm in that. I think, I think where we have to be cautious is, I mean, I hope be honest, we've been talking about this for the last, I don't know, fifteen twenty Ugh, minutes. I said so. we wouldn't. I know. And. And we have to be cautious because, again, we've allocated, you know, 20 minutes of our time talking about this. And what haven't we talked about, right? There's a lot of other ufological work out there being done exactly. that isn't getting attention because of To the Stars. And, and and you have to kind of be critical. Like, I'm not being critical in a negative way, but I'm being critical because, you know, I'm critical. We have to sort of be cautious of whose narrative we tell. Do I think TTSA is some grand conspiracy run by the CIA? No, don't be stupid. But... Do I think that there's a bit of perception management at times? Potentially. I mean, you know, if if the intelligence community has its hands in, in something, perception is very much an important aspect, right? Optics, right? Controlling the optics. But then, you know, Tom DeLonge goes on Joe Rogan. There goes the optic. <laughs> there goes the optic. Ugh. Well, man, I'm going to consider this part one of our conversation, the laundry list, as it were. So hang tight, everyone, and join us next week for part two when we tackle a very human approach to a possible alien phenomenon. Before we go, though, I want to leave you with a nightcap song from friends of the show, Rogue Diplomats. Be sure to check out their new album, Whiskey Picnic, now available at their website, roguediplomats.com. Here is their whiskey and ale-fueled anthem, Old Brown Ale. Remember, keep your feet on the ground, 
but never stop searching somewhere in the whiskey. I mean, skies. Somewhere in the skies. Well, the seabed's host to many a treasure. Fine gold and riches all beyond measure. But the thing I seek to which all these pale is my captain's list to make old brown ale. Valiant took her privateer crew From port to port Only one thing's true You can spend your money For free, hear this tale There's none as sating as the old brown ale For it's one pint of sea Laddie's one pint His ruddy red chin But it's not blood Which will brim his grail Just a homemade batch Of that old brown ale For it's one pint of steel That is one pint of pale One quart of whiskey That's the old brown ale For it's one pint of steel That is one pint of pale One quart of whiskey That's the old brown ale the ship was tossed one terrible day The recipe lost as we drift into the bay And now all that's left are some broken sails And a mere ten gallons of that old brown ale For it's one pint of steel that is one pint of pale One quart of whiskey that's the old brown ale For it's one pint of steel that is one pint of pale One quart of whiskey that's the old brown For a half week and we'll rest our legs If you come on board You can drain these dregs And if we scrape bottom Doesn't mean we're through Just in time comes the captain With a brand new brew First one pint of steel That is one pint of pale One quart of whiskey That's the old brown ale First one pint of steel That is one pint of pale One quart of whiskey That's the old brown ale Somewhere in the Skies is produced by Third Kind Productions in association with the Entertainment One Podcast Network. To learn more, visit entertainmentonepodcast.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.